Overhead kick, and what a goal it was! Stewart makes it 1-1. And it is a gorgeous little chip. This could well be the moment. It is the moment! Hello and welcome to Kickoff. It's the sixth episode of the official podcast of NPL New South Wales and Football New South Wales League competitions. I'm Teo Pelizzeri, joined by my co-host, Henley Warner. Henley, hello. How are you, Teo? How you been? I'm good because we get to put a full stop on the 2023 winter football competition season. Massive season. It had a Women's World Cup smack bang in the middle of it. And it's amazing to think that we've come to the end of it now and we get to look back and reflect on the season that was. You know, I think it's been a really exciting season, especially, you know, with some of the new regulations with more teams in the comps and things like that, and especially a longer season. I think it's been great to see the potential of the next few seasons coming up. And, you know, I think I'm really excited to see what's going on. It's funny because I I was going back and reflecting on games I was commentating and going to in February and March and April. And it it is really significant just what a football bomb got detonated in the middle of the season with the Women's World Cup and how I still found myself going to NPL New South Wales games when the World Cup was on and and football, it just kept going. It, It never really stopped. It never took a break. And we were able to stay engaged with this journey that took us from start to finish. And that's what we get to do today. We get to look at the awards gala dinner, which was held at the Star Center. And you were there and can give us a bit of a summation of what happened. And we'll also discuss some of the competition and award winners as well, while also acknowledging this year's Charles Valentine Award recipient, Hakoa Sydney City East's John Pillimer. But We've got some exciting things to recap, Henley. We'll go through our best moments of the season and we'll also talk about what's on. But just a big picture overall, how did 2023 leave you feeling about the game in New South Wales? I think, I know I just say this word a lot on this podcast, but exciting and it's just, I think one of the best things about like NPL in New South Wales is the talent that we have, especially with the younger generations, you know, seeing them come up and, you know, playing up in first grade. We've seen some some kids out there, you know, 17, 18 year olds that are, you know, not, I don't want to say carrying, but like they're pulling their weight. They're doing really well in these first grade squads. They're making their mark. They're getting A-league contracts. I think it's, I honestly, exciting. I say it so much and it's so cliche, I know, but it has been such an amazing season and yeah, I couldn't, th- I don't think we've had better since. We will get into our moments of the season soon, but stay with us. We're about to get into what's on. You're listening to Kick Off, the official competitions podcast of Football New South Wales. Let's get in to what's on. Henley, take us through some of the things that are coming up. Football New South Wales Futsal Premier League seasons have also kicked off for the summer, with some of the best players in the country lighting up our competitions every week. So just make sure to check out the Football New South Wales Futsal Facebook page for regular updates all throughout the season. Now, Teo, it's the moment. Moment of the season. Do you want me to start off or do you want me to go first? Uh, <laughs> mine's a, a little bit uh, out there. So mm-hmm. how about you go first because you might have a more conventional moment of okay. the season. Okay. Well, mine was actually the Sapphire Cup for the women's comp. You know, it's the first time this event has been held. It's basically like the partner of the Waratah Cup for the men's. We had teams from all over the state coming together to battle out to see who would win, you know, places from Terrigal United FC to Rockdale, Shell Harbour, JFC. She top performing clubs, you know, like Arpia. It was just so great to see representation all throughout. I think it was also great to have like the different leagues mixing to expose perhaps some of those more developing players and having them see how like A-League women's athletes play as well. I think that was a really crucial thing to come out of the Sapphire Cup. But yeah, what about you? It's tough because I I wanted to choose uh, a men's moment from the season and Arpia were leading start to finish so convincingly in the league. It was kind of hard to find. I mean, I'm sure that internally they might have the moment where they thought they were going to win the the league and sort of the defining game along the way to winning the championship. But for me, uh, it's really hard to kind of pick one out as that was the moment where they won the league and and sort of said goodbye. I mean, I probably, I'm going to cheat a little. I'm going to have two. Go on. Uh, (laughs) Earlier in the campaign, when Rockdale went out to, Blacktown City, so defending champions against a, a strong Rockdale team that were going for the title. Rockdale came from nowhere to score two goals in the last three or four minutes, and at that point, Blacktown City weren't really in the conversation for the title, and you can just imagine if they'd won that day, 
how their back half of the season might have panned out mm. making the run that they did and could they have actually challenged up here. But honestly, the moment of the season for me, and it's kind of bittersweet because Bankstown City did end up getting relegated due to the club championship and the overall combination of points between their seniors and their reserves and junior teams. But for me, the moment of the season was when they beat Arpia at Arpia. And it was such a, a watershed moment for Arpia. To, they looked like they were going to go the entire season undefeated. And obviously, they ended up losing in the semifinals um, and didn't make the grand final. But they won two of the three major trophies. Yep. But it was that night when Bankstown City rolled them at Lambert Park. For me, that was probably the moment of the season. Rolled them. <laughs> I love it. Oh, lovely. So on that note of NPL New South Wales women's, let's get into our season recap. Arpia were the premiers, the first time they've won the title, but Henley, not a surprise with the team they put together. Rihanna Policina, a heart and soul player, joined us on this podcast during the campaign. Holly McNamara, who, of course, is a a capped Matilda and, and, in my opinion, one of the best players in the country. And really a, a team top to bottom that had very few weaknesses and that was reflected in just how dominant they were, especially in that first half of the season where they did go undefeated. Yeah, especially like with Arpia, like when I was going out and watching their games, it was it was one of those teams that you like you really just can fall. All of the players, they worked so harmoniously together on the field and as you mentioned, even the likes of like Ashley Crofts, like great girl, absolutely heart and soul out there. Policino, like there's so many star players that, you know, make this team how great they are today. But I think also it's the fact of their junior, um, you know, when you go to their home matches, it's that atmosphere that builds it up. And I think that also helps for them to get these titles. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Arpia was absolutely a hot team coming in like they were coming in hot this year it was always going to be a complex season with which clubs committed to returning a-league women's players and we even saw that with princess abini dropping down a division to play in division one and you know what i actually think she might be a bit of a trendsetter because (laughs) no it honestly wouldn't shock me if a lot of npl women's clubs say well we know we're not going to have our a-league players in the finals Mm -hmm. and we saw how that affected the grand final uh, with the number of players that weren't made available. So it wouldn't shock me if A-League women's players have not made up their minds, am I going to play in the off-season, am I going to have a total break, and if they need to keep playing or if they want to keep playing, it honestly wouldn't shock me if top division NPL clubs or the ones going for the title, the ones that are planning on playing in finals at the end of the season, say, well, we're not going to disrupt our team. We're going to go with the team we've picked to take us through the entire season. Mm -hmm. And thus those A-League women's players might drop in for a cameo at a a lower division or maybe a relegation battling team. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm biased. Like, (laughs) we had, like, with UNSWFC, like, as you said, the addition with Princess Abini, you know, absolutely lifted the squad. You know, it was already a strong squad to start off with, but, you know, your A-League women's, when they're coming, you know, as you said, to those relegation teams or, you know, your League One women's or men's or whatever it may be, I think it really does make a difference and it can, I don't know what's the word for it, but well, boost? Like, yeah, it was team? a catalyst. Like Serena yeah. Holden going to Illawarra, it was only a short stint, mm. but it certainly picked them up some pretty important points. points. Yeah, And I think, you know, if they can be a part of that team, um, even if it is for a small moment, even like for a beanie, you know, coming in halfway through the season, I think it can make all the difference and, yeah, set them up for the rest of their season pretty well. Let's talk about MacArthur Rams winning that grand final against Bulls Academy. Now, these two teams, like I, I was commentating the game, so I didn't want to make a point of talking about who wasn't there yeah. rather than you want to celebrate who is. And it was a very competitive and entertaining grand final. And then it was the old stage, Alina Kamis, uh, who came in and, and showed that she still got it. She still got it. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I think Lena is close but not quite my age. And when she left the A-League women's, I think her and, and Lisa Devanna dropping out of the competition meant that only Melissa Barbieri is left as, I think, the only mm-hmm. player in the league who's yeah. kind of older than me. But it's <laughs> <laughs> fine, though. <laughs> I remember, you know, it, it, it was amazing when I first started covering that competition that most of the players were at older or around my age, and, and now none of them are. But yeah. <laughs> putting that aside, it was a, a bit anticlimactic to see the grand final and players like Tegan Bertolissio, Peter Trimmis, uh, Aideen Keane, Jess Nash, Briley Henry, none of them were available. The, the ones who played for Western Sydney Wanderers were available 
for the game, but not from any of the other clubs. And and I think that, you know, we we had discussed during the season the dynamic, both on and off air, the dynamic of how that was going to affect the campaign. And I, I think that this was like a learning moment. Bulls Academy will still be proud of what they did, mm. but they'll also feel as though they didn't have close to their strongest team for that grand final, whereas MacArthur, I think they they won the political uh, tug of war with Western Sydney to keep all their players, for, well, most of their players. They didn't have any of the Mariners ones, so no Maya Lobo, for example. But, it, you know, the spectacle wasn't diminished by the fact that a number of those top players went there, especially because it was competitive. I was worried we might see a bit of a one-sided one-sided yeah, game. You know, I have to agree with you on that. But, however, you know, it got to that halfway point and we still had no goals and it got to that last, what? Ten eight, minutes. Yeah, ten, ten minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah, well, 82nd and, what, 87th minute, I think, was both of Lena's goals. But for me, like, being one of the spectators and reporting on it, like, it kept me on the edge of my seat. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was – like, I, think, I thought it was a good match. You know, it was that whole, oh, my gosh, she's going to go to extra time. Is it going to go to pens? Like, all this kind of well, stuff. Well, you were in the crowd because I was commentating it from the opposite side yeah. filming towards the crowd. So you were actually there in among the atmosphere. And I thought Bulls Academy had a lot of fans yeah, at the absolutely. game. My, my perception was they had really good support. But also I think the kickoff time was ideal because mm-hmm. – I feel for the NWS Spirit players and the Institute players who slogged it out for 120 minutes in the <laughs> afternoon sun and then still had to take penalties at the end yep. with NWS Spirit. Congratulations to them winning that reserves title. Uh, and funnily enough, I think it was two Sydney FC goalkeepers that were the two keepers in the, yeah. the shootout. But the um, the your summation of like who had the crowd was the feeling that MacArthur Rams were always going to win or was there just sort of genuine jeopardy in the game the longer it stretched on without a goal um I feel honestly this is gonna like throw a bit but like I thought the Bulls had a better like support to be honest with you like from the crowd and stuff like that the atmosphere with them you know sitting over there obviously you had your divide between the two and I went between both them but you know MacArthur, um, MacArthur Rams, like they had their their girls' youth league all there cheering on, but it was the Bulls that had you know their their you know brothers and sisters, all their family there cheering on. I honestly have to give it to the Bulls for that question. I think they were great with keeping their team going to the end. You know, however, it wasn't the result they obviously wanted. I think it was definitely helped them just keep going and fighting. Now, at the other end of the table, unfortunately, we mentioned it earlier, Bankstown City did get relegated by just three points on the club championship table, 127 behind the Blacktown Spartans on 130. And if you go back and watch the YouTube highlights of Blacktown winning away at Manly on the final day of the senior women's season, that was a a proper celebration from them as they avoided relegation right at the last. And Manly ended up falling into third last on that club championship, which is a, a bit of a surprise given where they had come from but unfortunately Bankstown City go down they'll look to rebuild hopefully they can come back because a lot of their players are heading off to the A-League women's of course it was Mary Fowler's club as well so we know they've got a history of producing high level players but sadly for them not to be uh, in the club championship this season. All right, let's go to some of our award winners. Henley, you were at Gold Medal Night, so who are we going to hear from first? Well, firstly, it's going to be Ashley Crofts. Um, She came away with the double. She got the Golden Boot and the Player of the Year Award. She absolutely cleaned up. And then we also had Stephen Peters, who was awarded Coach of the Year. You know, Ashley, going back to Ashley for a second, I think it was so great for her to get the double. She made such an impact at Arpia this year. And, you know, without her, I think the team could have, you know, potentially may not have got that premiership. I don't know, controversial. No, I think you take 15, 20 goals out of that team. They they would have been playing someone else there. I, I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. So let's hear from our Golden Boot and Player of the Year award winner, Ashley Crofts. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm speechless. I, you know, the, the league is full of amazing players. Um, you know, every club has it like, you know, there's always two, three every week. You're like, you know, they're unreal. So yeah, I'm, I'm really shocked actually. Golden Boot's always been a personal goal of mine as a striker. Everyone kind of wants to win that. So that's been something I've always been trying to achieve. And this is just crazy. I didn't think I'd ever be considered for a play of the year. So, um, yeah, you know, winning the premiership as well, that's been another goal of mine. Um, moving to a big club like RPI, you hope that things like that kind of pan out that way. Credit to Rams, they pushed us, you know, all the way to the end and we had to really prove ourselves to be crown premiers in the end. But, yeah. Ashley Crofts there. And 
Sadly, she's not going to be playing A-League Women's this summer. I, I feel like there certainly you see this players, they kind of get to their mid-20s work, life balance gets in the way, and do you go to the A-League Women's or not? I always thought she was a bit of an underrated player at that level, but unfortunately the combination of injuries and also getting uh, COVID during the 2021 season um, really hampered her time at Wanderers. And I'm, I was shocked that no one signed her last season. And I've had, because she's won these two awards, coaches have been ringing, coaches have been trying, and they just can't twist her arm, which is a shame. Hopefully there's a U-turn there at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that that's a A-League's problem. As far as the NPL yeah. is concerned, the NPL is still the right environment for Ashley Crofts to enjoy her football. And I think that's what's yeah. important, that you, you enjoy and you love the game. And if that means, you know, having to forego the opportunity to go up to a semi-professional level, you, she's playing semi-professionally at Arpia, but it's it's clearly a better situation than committing to the training hours of A-League women's. Exactly. And I think that what we need to keep in mind is the love of the game. We don't want them being shifted off to the A-League, you know, being absolutely exhausted, trying to have a job on that as well, and then, you know, inevitably losing it, that love for it. So, as you know, this sounds selfish, but let's keep her at RPL. Let's keep our talent with him. We love her in this competition. So, yeah, I, it is a shame about the A-Leagues, but... I think she'll be happy here at Arpia. And it certainly will be a a huge test for any young defenders or any uh, NPL-level defenders in next season as well. All right, let's talk about the Coach of the Year. Stephen Peters was there at the top of the mountain on grand final day again, and he was awarded Coach of the Year. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's sort of stuff you don't really think about too much, but to um, to be voted by my peers, other coaching staff, obviously club presidents and what have you is uh yeah it's a real honor to be honest it's been a phenomenal season super proud of everybody and obviously um obviously this is probably nice little cherry on top for us so yeah absolutely Stephen Peters there and it, it coach with an excellent record and so much of it at NPL level is recruiting and squad harmony and then in the big games like a grand final I think that is where the good coaches can separate themselves so I know this is a little bit reductive but so so much of success in NPL comes down to recruitment yes and if you've got a good club culture good harmony you have the right amount of money to remunerate mm. players you will build a good squad but I think that that extra five ten percent is what happens in cup finals, grand finals, mm-hmm. you know, knockout games, and the timing of the Lena Kamas sub, the timing of uh, taking off Olivia Sloan for fresh legs yeah. uh, in that grand final. He just pulled all the right reins. But even starting Olivia Sloan in that grand final, I think, was a great decision as well, given that she hadn't been a super prominent member of the seniors. She's been a long time MacArthur Rams player, but sort of had had to deputise behind a couple of others that weren't available in the grand final. He just knows his squad, he knows his players, mm-hmm. and he got it spot on in the grand final. Well, obviously they won it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. I know, but you can, you, can, you can win and be lucky. Yeah, true. <laughs> or you, you, you can go to penalties and win in a coin flip. I think I think the coaching was one of the main reasons that MacArthur Rams ended up as the champions. Yeah, I, I, You know, I, I agree with that absolutely. I think without his leadership of that team, like it could have been a completely different result for MacArthur Rams. We are going to go through the teams of the year for both men's and women's uh, as part of this podcast, but we're going to go through the women's first. Stay with us for the discussion of the team of the year for the men's later on. You're listening to Kick Off the Football New South Wales podcast. So, Henley, we're going to discuss the women's team of the year, discussion of the men's coming up soon, but... Uh, I'll go through it from the back. If you haven't seen it on the NPL New South Wales website or social pages, it was posted on September the 18th. So you can see the very graphic that we are referring to here. Romina Paragire uh, was the goalkeeper from Gladesville Ravens. Defence, Tegan Bertolicio from Rams. Jessica Seaman from Bulls and Phoebe Gilbane from Manly. Midfield was Peter Trimmis from Bulls Academy. Sarah Morgan from NWS. Rihanna Polisena from Arpia and India Breyer from Rams. And the forward line, Ashley Crofts from Arpia, our award winner and golden boot. Susan Fonson Camp from Bankstown City and Kelly Brown from Rams. And our bench was Ashley Irwin from Sydney Olympic, Sakura Najima from the Illawarra Stingrays, Charlotte Lancaster from Bulls, Holly McNamara from Arpia, and also Trudy Simmons, the backup goalkeeper from Bulls. And how this team was put together... After each game, the match commentator is asked to submit a 3-2-1, but also stipulate position that 
cumulatively adds up to team of the week and then adds up to team of the year at the end of the season. So this right. this wasn't arbitrarily picked. This is something that was, you know, the how well you played in February and March well, in March and April in the women's case, was just as valuable as how you played in August. Yeah. No, I think it's a great, like a great lineup for the team of the year. It's interesting, you know, Bulls have dominated that with four named in this squad. I, I think there's a few plays in there that, you know, were predictable after such a successful season, like obviously Ashley, Rihanna, even like um, Phoebe. But it's also quite refreshing to have very young blood in there with India Breyer um, in the mids, I think, it's a great team of the year, very diverse, um, especially Jessica Seaman as well. I thought, watching match around, I thought she was a very strong player to have in there. Well, she, she's the only real proper veteran. I think she's, yeah. I don't want to, uh, it's publicly available. She's 33, mm. so or 32 turning 33. So, But I'm pretty sure she's one of the few players there who's like you know, properly over the age of 26. Yeah. So good to have a, a veteran of the outfielders anyway. Good to have a veteran presence because she had a, fa- a fantastic season. Yeah, I couldn't fault her. So a couple of categories to finish. Breakout player of the season is an interesting one because when you play for Football New South Wales Institute, you can often get a one or two year lead time (laughs) on getting your name out there. And then maybe at the age of 18 or 19, when you break out, people have already seen you playing in the top NPL for a couple of years. But uh, for me, it's Peter Trimmis from Bulls Academy. She'll be playing at Central Coast in the A-League this summer. And I think if you didn't know her name already, you're gonna know it now. By the start, <laughs> by the start of next season, a lot of people are going to be talking about her as like a top top NPL player if she comes back and if you know, she might have an off season, but if she comes back and plays in the NPL. Yeah, well, for me, it was actually India Bright. You know, she's only 17. She's played a great season with Macarthur Rams. You know, and then obviously went on to win the final with them. But she's actually just signed her first um, A League women's contract, so a two year deal with uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. So I think it'll be interesting to see her. Um, develop with the training sessions with that squad and then, like, fingers crossed, come back to the NPL because she's a great addition to any squad that and she's th- named. The value of NPL New South Wales, there's no better example than Kelly Brown, who mm-hmm. her, her career at A-League level might have been over. She reached out to NPL clubs looking for an opportunity to get her name up in lights, has come to Sydney, moving from New Zealand and has scored more than 20 goals again. Probably should have scored in the grand final and has ended up being part of a championship, but it's been transformative for her career. So the value of, of NPL is is clear there. Yeah, absolutely it is. And we finish with the surprise team of the season. For either reason, Henley, what was the team that surprised you the most? For me, it's going to have to be Sydney University, actually. You know, after last year where they finished top of the table, this year, for some reason, I, I can't put my finger on why like why this happened, why they were down a tenth. Give me some insight. What do you think, Tay? Well, they were always going to struggle without their A-League players, and I saw quite a lot of Sydney Uni early in the season when they were playing a lot of their reserve-grade players in the seniors, so that's understandable. But they drew at home with Arpia when their A-League players came back. They knocked MacArthur Rams out of the Sapphire Cup. Yep. It's like, okay, second half of the season, Sydney Uni are back. But mm. it just didn't click for them. Their A-League players either didn't give them what they needed or play as many games and as many minutes as they might have hoped. And so a team that had largely been contributing players to the next level up then didn't quite get what they needed back. And also I think a lot of that is M Husband was preparing to go and coach the Central Coast Mariners for the first mm-hmm. time. And I don't think, you know, making the finals or, or winning the championship was make or break. It really was about preparing this team for sustainability when those A-League players are never coming back. Because if they'd mm-hmm. been going with their replacement players that we saw in the first six weeks for the entirety of the season, they would have been down in the relegation battle yeah along with everyone else. So I think some long-term planning also contributed to where they finished in the league. Now that I've mentioned Sydney Uni, who's your surprise team, do you reckon? Look, it has to be the Bulls for getting promoted and making the grand final. Mm -hmm. But I think some of the the hurdles that they jumped to get to that final were equally surprising. The Northern Tigers had really strong teams on paper for a lot of games but weren't necessarily getting the results. NWS Spirit were a top team with top players for a lot of the season, but just they had some real, really surprising 
non-wins in the back half of the campaign. And Bulls, I think, were, you know, in contrast to Sydney Uni, when Bulls were able to bring in their A-League players for, you know, little cameos, they got full value out of them. Yes. And so they, they might have only appeared for three, four, five games, not many minutes over the course of the full season. Mm. And that doesn't make them synonymous with the Bulls players, the regulars like Liz Gray or Jessica Seaman, who played the entire campaign. But I think, you know, they were a surprise the same way that the teams that weren't able to stop their climb to the grand final Mm. were a surprise. So that's it for NPL Women's and our season wrap. We're going to talk next about NPL New South Wales men's. After a three-year hiatus, Football New South Wales are delighted to relaunch the annual coaching conference in 2023. Hosted at Valentine Sports Park, the weekend will be packed with presentations and learnings from some of the best in the game, providing a valuable development opportunity for coaches at all levels. Tickets are on sale now, and stay tuned to the Football New South Wales social pages for announcements around this year's guest speakers. You're listening to Kick Off, the official podcast of NPL New South Wales and Football New South Wales League's competitions. Henley, let's get into the NPL men's wrap because it was a different structure this year. It was first past the post, no finals, and with all our guests, we had discussed how that really raised the stakes every game of the season because when Arpia broke away early, it felt as though a lot of teams, be it Rockdale, Blacktown, Marconi, uh, St George City, Sydney FC to an extent, they were all playing grand finals pretty much every week because if Arpia broke any further away and inevitably they did kind of cruise to the title with a nice points buffer, but I feel as though even though we missed out on the climax of a grand final, the the real entertainment of this league was to actually follow it week to week because the stakes were so much higher. It could be any Sunday out at a Linden, it could be any Sunday at Landon Stadium. You knew that if you know, Rocktail or, or Blacktown didn't win, if Marconi didn't win, that could be the title decided right there that weekend. Yeah, I think it definitely... Uh, I, I kind of liked it in a way because it kept everyone on the edge of their seats the entire season. You know, as you said, it... You know, Arpia did kind of run away with it a bit at the end. However, those Rockdale, Blacktown, Marconi games were always, I remember always checking the scores, making sure to say like, oh my gosh, who's won? Who's lost? What does this mean for everyone else? Like it kept, it kept you in it. It kept the excitement going and fueling throughout the entire season. And I, I thought it was a great addition, you know, as much as a grand final is all great and things like that. This, I think, kept people more intrigued throughout the season. The thing that uh, it certainly also raised the stakes for Arpia's games because I, I remember commentating their home match against the Sutherland Sharks. You know, this ended up being first versus 14th by mm. the end of the season. But the longer it stayed nil-nil, you know, the tension in that sort of a game was far greater than it would have been if you had the safety net of a top five or a top six. Now, certainly from a, a total football point of view, the league increased from 22 games to 30 games this season. It created more than 100 fixtures in NPL New South Wales. So we got a lot more football this winter. Can I just say, looking back at the end of it, this time last season, I was yeah. really excited. 100 more games, <laughs> so much more opportunity. It doesn't feel like it. It actually feels like this is right. Yeah. This feels normal. Last season now just feels short mm. by comparison. It doesn't feel like we slogged our way to the end of a marathon at all. No. <laughs> this just feels like what a normal season should feel be. like. Yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, because for us, we've, we just didn't go, oh, you know, just eight extra rounds, whatever it is. But it, it, at the end of the day, it is that hundred extra fixtures. Like, it wears players out. Um, but I think it was a great addition to the end, to the season, you know, really kept us on edge. So Arpia with 65 points ended up winning the league. Rockdale finished second on 59, Blacktown second on 57, but Blacktown did have a a really amazing run sort of in that second to middle uh, sort of third of the season. What am I trying to say here? I've got my fractions wrong. Maybe in the third third quarter of the season, they were brilliant and... Arpia did well enough to hold off all the challenges. Marconi ended up fourth and then a little buffer, but St George City, you'd probably say they were best of the rest rather than the fifth of the title contenders, Sydney FC in sixth. And then Wollongong Wolves, who, let's not forget, only won two home games for all of the 2022 season. Yeah, and I think they'd been on a nine or ten game streak without winning a game at home. They've ended up finishing seventh. David Carney, the former Socceroo, first season in charge. I mean, when you look at their record, 11 wins 10 draws nine losses it's not spectacular but they have ended up with a, a really strong positive 14 goal difference which is uh what's that fourth or fifth strongest in the league 
I mean, Rockdale finished second with a goal difference of 15. Wollongong finished seventh with a goal difference of 14. So I think Wollongong, proud football town, great history in that Wollongong Wolves team. And to climb up and finish seventh. Great feat, great, I think. Great, yeah. great end to the season for them. Uh, the defending uh, premiers, Sydney Olympics, sadly only finished ninth for them, just never really got going. Sydney United, our cup winners, mm-hmm. ended up 10th. You've got a little bit of insight into Sydney United. Again, they're a great cup team, yes. but it just it never really came together for them in the league. They, did, they didn't hit the lows of last season, but they, they also never really got going in this one. Yeah, I know, like... Obviously, like a little bit of affiliation with United, but they played a lot of their reserve players as well this season. So as much as it is great to give them an opportunity to go up, maybe that had something to do with it. Um, But at the end of the day, like they do produce talent. We can see that from the likes of Daniel Nizic, like going off to A-League this season coming. There's room to grow, absolutely. But I still think that they can bring it back home next season. Do you think they will stay a cup team uh, that can win on the big occasion, or do you think they can find that consistency that was that was lacking? Because we know that on a big occasion, Sydney United, they'll, you know, yeah, they'll get the heightened sense of emotion and occasion, mm-hmm. a lot of pride in the the badge at that club. Yes, so they can rise to the moment. Probably a team that would benefit more from there being a final series than being first well, past that, the post. I would. Well, say. that's what I was going to say. I feel like they thrive under pressure, um, especially like looking at the Waratah Cup against Arpia. You know, that was a bit of a nail biter a game, just to and fro the whole time. But especially with the Waratah Cup, it's just they were versing Arpia, like first on the the ladder for for MPL, um, you know, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have known there was a huge gap between. No, the I, I honestly don't think you would have, and it's just, I, I, you know, I, to say it, I do believe that it might have to be, you know, they do thrive more under those cup competitions. Now, I skipped over Manly in 8th, uh, Sydney Olympic ninth, Sydney United finished 10th. NWS Spirit, newly promoted, they finished 11th. I think if you'd offered them, you know, a safe lower mid-table finish pre-season, they would have taken it. I guess the issue is St. George came up with them yeah. and St. George immediately vaulted into the top into the, the top half of the table. So we can't undersell what Spirit have done to come up and stay up very comfortably. Central Coast Mariners put a heap of points in the bank and then once A-League pre-season started... They they went the direction that many A League academies do, which is once A League preseason started, they went off the edge of a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought I thought until that final five or six weeks of the season, they were the entertainers. They were a great value team. Their highlights packages or a live stream of Central Coast was always fun, mm-hmm. and they did well enough to keep their heads above water. Western Sydney Wanderers. It's hard to believe that they were genuinely in a, a relegation battle with a month to go. They won three of their last four games. They, I think they really wanted to stay in the top flight. The fact that they recruited Dylan Piraeus mm-hmm. from Western United, who had 100 A-League games under his, his belt, <laughs> and they started playing him in the NPL, says they really took it seriously when they were getting into trouble at the at the pointy end of the season. Yeah, they, they don't want, no one wants to go down a league. And, you know, with it being an A-League squad as well, you know, no one wants to go down. So I think the final, like, few rounds where they had different additions to the squad definitely just kept their head above water as such, um, to avoid the relegation battle. You know, ended up being Mount Drew at Town Rangers and Bulls FC, so they're going down. But I think Wanderers just scraped by for this season indeed. And in the end, uh, Sutherland Sharks had a a handy points buffer from Mount Drew at Town Rangers, uh, 14th down to 15th. Now let's talk about the relegation teams. Bulls Academy were, I wouldn't say always going down, but it felt as though they were on their last chance for a number of weeks and they just didn't win a game during that run and, and ultimately the elastic broke and, and they were lost uh, in last place. But the pro-roll playoff, Mount Druid Town Rangers against St George FC at the in second place in League One. Two-leg playoff, I liked the concept. Very close over the two legs and ultimately Mount Druid Town did get relegated, losing the second leg and we won't have them in the division anymore. And again, over 30 games, you get plenty of chances exactly. to, to win enough. And and they'll be disappointed that they go down um, and St. George FC coming up from League One. They'll be thrilled. We'll get to that, uh, talk about it a little Soon. bit more later. But <laughs> certainly disappointing for those two teams. But again, I think, you know, it's not like it was a, a short uh, amount of opportunity to prove yourself no. in this competition. No, it was a longer season. You know, they had ample opportunity. Like, that's the sad reality of it, I think. Um, ample opportunity as much as Arpia or any of those other top teams. But it just... 
didn't click for them this season. So let's get to some of our award winners and the top player in the competition, Alec Urashevsky. He looms over every game he plays in because he's always such a goal threat. And he did the double this season of the Golden Boot and Player of the Year. We did speak to him on kickoff where he talked about his love of Rockdale and the support and uh, just uh, ability he is given by that club to work his job and also be his best on the football pitch. Let's hear what he had to say at awards night. Yeah, individually it's great. It's very humbling. Um, a lot of great players in the league. Um, you know, every team has great players, so it's very humbling. Um, personally, it's great, but uh, hopefully next year we'll get the title. Alec Kudoshevsky there from Rockdale, Elinden. Now, the coach of the year was Franco Parisi. He was overseas, but he did send in this audio clip, of which we will hear a little bit now. It is with pleasure and an honour to receive this because... Um, It's a prestigious award, but what I love the most is that it is voted by your peers, um, the the way that it's run, uh, and not sure everyone's familiar, but um, it's voted by all the other coaches. So that means a lot to me. Former player, long-time player, iconic within the club. There's always a little bit of risk when you go with a club legend that if it doesn't go well you might have to potentially, you know, dampen or damage a relationship with someone who's been iconic and synonymous with your team. So in that respect, it's probably for the best that it's so far worked out one season, one championship for Franco in charge. Exactly. I think he should be, you know, happy as anything. He's, you know, great season with Harpier especially. And I think being a club legend, like as you were saying, you know, if it went wrong, that's his reputation out the window, Gonski, done. Um, so, yeah, very good for him to have won Coach of the Year for Arpia and, yeah, great season overall for that team under his leadership. And who knows where it might end up going. He did get to coach against Sydney FC in the Australia Cup, um, juggled all the competitions, of course, getting Arpia to that Cup final, which I'm sure they would have loved to have won. They yes. would have loved to have taken home the double. But one thing about Franco Parisi is everyone to a man says he's one of the good guys from uh, the NPL New South Wales. So great for him to have won the Coach of the Year Award. So let's get on to our discussion of the NPL New South Wales men's team of the season. I'll run through it, uh, same as the women's. Goalkeeper Ivan Nachevsky from Arpia Leichhardt. Uh, defence, Nicola Oidor from Rockdale, Linden, Grant Lynch from Blacktown City, Mitch Stavatellis from Sutherland Sharks and Daniel Alessi from St George City. Midfield, Jack Armson from Apia Leichhardt, Dom Costanzo from Marconi and Chris McStay from the Wollongong Wolves. And the forward line, Jack Stewart from Apia, Alec Udashevsky from Rockdale, Linden, and Jack O'Brien from Blacktown City. The substitutes... Kota Otakura from NWS Spirit, Marcus Eunice from Western Sydney Wanderers, Pedro Ferrari from St George City, Lockie Bayless from the Central Coast Mariners, and Levi Kay from Manly United, the backup goalkeeper. Henley, a strong team. And again, I think some younger players, guys in their early 20s, but the thing that stands out to me is some of the real senior heads. Yeah, stood out. And over the course of 30 games, the maybe the match hardness of some of the, the veteran players shone through week in, week out. And unlike the women's where it's the commentators that uh, give the votes, I think you can actually track the men's team of the year because uh, at the bottom of every match report, you see the 3-2-1 that contributes to team of the year for the men's. Yeah, I think for me, despite only doing like match of the round for the women's, obviously I hear about this competition, I see it, all that kind of thing. However... There are a few names that I just kept seeing everywhere and just people raving about their plays. We have the likes of Jack Stewart, um, Alec Yurovsevsky, Jack Armson. You know, these plays, was, you heard them week in, week out with some great plays. Especially, I think one of the great thing also with this team, you know, we mentioned earlier about younger players in the women's like India Briar. But I think it's the same thing here. We've got Marcus Eunice on the bench, only 18, and making team the year is a huge feat for him. I think this is a great achievement for him especially. And uh, Nicola Oidua, um leaping over to play professionally in Scotland for Inverness, fantastic. I mean, a credit to him for his level of play, but also I think these sort of things just help the reputation of NPL New South Wales, that guys are getting signed overseas to play professionally. You know, I mean, we've, we've seen it in previous seasons with Charles Lockerley and Goy going to Malta, but in this instance to go to Scotland, great pickup. Um, and also credit to Grant Lynch uh, at the end of a, you know, not well, not the end, but no. <laughs> during a, a brilliant career. I mean, Blacktown City, you know, during that run, they had a lot of contributors, but guys like 
Lynch and Jack O'Brien, they were playing well and scoring goals and doing things in the tough times when they weren't getting the results as well. Now back to just real quickly about your comment with Nicola. I think, you know, having these players go overseas, it's a testament to the talent that we create here with NPL New South Wales sides. Like I think it, it vocalises how strong our players are here in Sydney. Do, what, what do you think? Do you, you agree? No, absolutely. But I, and I, I think you look at the bench, Marcus Eunice, Lockie Bayless, like those academy teams, the 3-2-1 voting means that the more you win, the more likely you are to pick up the votes. Yep. And those are two players that were in the, the lower rungs of the table. If their teams won more, they probably would have ended up in the in team, the team in yeah. the team of the year. So I, I think it's also good that, like, this is a reflection of, te- of guys who contributed to their teams winning. Chris McStay from Wollongong being there, we talked about how they rose to seventh, how they'd, you know, overcome a pretty tough 2022 to be a top half of the table team this season. And he was an inspired pickup from Rockdale to go down to Wollongong and, and play really good football consistently throughout the course of the year. And then one name on the bench, I think Pedro Ferrari is one of the most eye-catching players in the entire competition. He's, he's just a, a full-back, a wing-back, who loves to bomb on, loves to get forward, is always dynamic on the ball. And if you're on his side of the pitch, um, the the right side where, which he's playing on, depending on which side of the stadium you're watching the game from, he's unmissable. And so I think he was one of those players that's always going to catch the eye mm. and one of the reasons that St George City was such a good team. And it's good to see that that's also reflected with Daniel Alessi being there in the starting 11 and perhaps it's uh, fitting that it's two defenders from a team that I think otherwise built its reputation on being attacking and scoring a lot of goals and entertaining. But ironically, it's two defenders from <laughs> St George City that make team of the year. Yeah, no, I think it was a great feat for them. Again, they've come up from in the league below. I think it was great to have both you know, of their backs in there. So let's talk about breakout players of the season. And Henley, I think your choice is not too far away from <laughs> our team of the year discussion. Yeah, well, I recently, I only just mentioned Marcus Eunice. And for me, he had to be one of those highlight players you you had to talk about. Every week coming in, you'd see the highlights reel. There was something that he provided. He's only 18. He's been with Wanderers since he was 12. So he's come straight up uh, through that youth system there as well. You know, he's, I'm pretty sure he had to overcome like three years of injury or something like that, you know, trying to get back on the horse. But even after those three years, he's come back and made team of the year. Yeah, it's on the bench, who cares? But he's still getting recognition for the work that he's been putting in. You know, he's a frequent player on the Australian national teams and, you know, was a part of the under-18 squad against Portugal and England. This kid's one to watch, I think. Absolutely one to watch. And mine's a little bit of an offbeat choice, but Apia won the title and Yanni Nicolau was a good contributor to that. But to then get picked up by uh, MacArthur in the A-League and go and play professionally, again, I think it's a credit to the environment that Arpia have created that someone who would not have been the first choice, like if you said, why did Arpia win the title or who's the best player at Arpia, you wouldn't pick Yanni Nicolau. But he had that readiness to go up and play at a professional level. I'm really intrigued to see how he'll go in the A-League because if if he's just a a solid citizen, you know, uh, able to contribute to you know, a good season for MacArthur, I think that that will really be a credit to the environment that some of these NPL New South Wales clubs are creating, that their players are professional ready, even if they are not leaping out off the page as the obvious reason a team is doing well. Yeah, like the obvious choice, absolutely. And then last matter of business, Henley, the surprise team of the season. (laughs) For either reason, what was your surprise team? Mine was since George City FA. Um, I I don't want to say it's an obvious choice, but they have done a sashing job this season. They were promoted last year from League One after finishing second on the ladder to Mariners, and then they end up fifth in this year's MPL Men's Comp. I think it was great um, effort by them, and I'm really excited to see where it goes next year for this squad in MPL. I think they're a team to watch out for. Well, I hate to be a buzzkill, but my surprise team was Sydney Olympic. Oh, okay. Fi- finishing all the way down in ninth. Because Labano Halidi has a, a pretty good reputation as an A-League assistant coach and has come in to lead that group. They had a, a lot of names on paper and they did some heavy recruiting uh, in order to bolster the squad but it just never worked out for them. They still had Roy O'Donovan scoring goals. They had Ziggy Gordon as their new addition in midfield and defence at times, but it just never came together for them. Their fans 
you know, it was kind of frustrating in the, the second half of the season. They normally get some of the best crowds, but I, I think the fans, that the real diehards that had stayed loyal to them were going more out of obligation than out of love. And when their home games had been such occasions because they were on their way to winning the premiership last season, it had the, the real feeling of... Uh, things having fallen apart this campaign. Not to the extent that they were in a relegation battle or anything like that. I mean, they finished ninth. They finished, you know, bang in the middle of the league. But relative to the expectation and relative to the way they set themselves up, it was a surprise to me that, say, Blacktown City, they they rallied. They climbed back up. Sydney Olympic never really had that sort of form run where they climbed back up into the the real top contenders. And it wouldn't shock me if, with a few tweaks... um, they are immediately back up there next season. Yeah, a bit of a redemption arc going on. <laughs> so that is our discussion of NPL New South Wales men's for the 2023 season. Coming up next, it's our league's focus. Mitre is the official ball sponsor of NPL New South Wales and Football New South Wales League's competitions. Visit Mitre Sports Australia for all your football needs. Mitre, a different league. You're listening to Kickoff, where it's not just about the top NPL, it's also about the New South Wales leagues, and that's where we are recapping now. League One's men's, Hills United, uh, we did hear from them during the course of the season on this podcast, and in the end, they won by eight points. Henley St George, as we know, went up in the promotion relegation playoff, so two of the teams will be joining us in the top flight next season, but gee, it was a competitive race to the line with uh, what went on below St George to get that second spot. Well, you look at the ladder, look how how tight it is. You've got what Bonnie Rig White Eagles sitting on 58 points as well, so tied to St George FC. You've got... 55 points with Raiders and Canterbury-Bankstown. Like, it was so close, don't you think? And then into Lions, who went on that Australia Cup run as yes, well. Yes, exactly. On, on 52. So we know the quality of, of what's there. And um, a lot, there's been a lot of talk about Northern Tigers men's team because Keely Adamson has been playing regularly for Sydney FC as they won the Australia Cup. So, you know, Northern Tigers, great women's program, and their men's in a position maybe where they can push up to try and win promotion as well. But over the course of 30 games, it was Hills United losing just four for the entire campaign and the champions of League One men's. At the other end of the table, not so great for Mounties Wanderers and Central Coast United. They are the two relegated teams. Pretty close relegation battle with uh, MacArthur Rams and Dunbar Rovers just keeping their heads above water. And Mounties Wanderers going down with uh, a better goal difference than those two teams. Central Coast United finishing 10 points adrift at the bottom of the league. So those two will uh, have to reload in Men's League 2 next season. Let's talk about Men's League 2, where University of New South Wales ended up winning the race with 62 points. Again, they lost just four out of 28 games over the course of the season, and Nepean came through the promotion relegation playoffs. So interestingly, Henley, that uh, in both the pro-roll playoffs, it was the team from the lower division that ended up winning. And it's often not the case uh, when Victoria used to do it. The, the team in the higher division often had a pretty good record against the team coming up from the lower division. So in this instance, maybe just uh, being in an environment where you're winning more weeks than not proved valuable for both St George and also Nepean in those promotion relegation playoffs. Yeah, UNSWFC with the men's, they did have a great season, you know, only a few losses. And it was great to see that that also translated into the women's program. So with the League One women's, we had UNSWFC first grade. They, you know, took it out as well, as well as their reserves. So they did a smashing job this uh, this season. So that puts them up into the NPL women's competition. Um, but yeah, great season for them. Also for Mariners, we all know how much of a nail biter this season has been for these these two teams. It's been back and forwards for the entire entire 26 games. But yeah, what about you? Well, I think it's reflective. I mean, we've seen how well Bulls Academy and also the Gladesville Ravens did upon winning promotion. We know that this competition is strong, Henley. And uh, there's not just um, the recruiting of Princess Abini is evidence of sort of the the standard that League One can give you. I think it's it's maybe reflective of you know 
in, in women's football, sometimes players will want to play in a team with friends where they've, you know, uh, good social connections or travel distance is a huge factor. And you look at some of the regional uh, nature of these teams in League One, there's probably a really high chance that there's a lot of good players who could play in the top NPL who are playing closer to home or where it fits with their work. You know, Hills United, South Coast Flame, Southern Districts Rangers, Mount Druitt, Nepean. I mean, we're not, yes, UNSW is right in the melting pot yeah. <laughs> where players can switch clubs quite easily. But then you look at Central Coast Mariners in second, Hills United in third, pretty much, you know, the entire top half of the table is regionalised teams where maybe only a a truly, you know, uh, motivated player or someone who gets an offer they can't refuse might consider moving clubs and far more likely that you might be playing closer to home in one of those teams. Well, I mean, like with UNSWFC, we had a few new additions um, to the squad. We had Hannah Beard, um, who's an ex-Liverpool player, actually. So, you know, we've got some big names in there. But overall, this team has been together for God knows how long. They have worked together. That club culture's there and it's, it's great that that work's paid off. So on the back of that success, let's talk about some of our individual winners now. We're going to hear from them. The League One Women's Player of the Season was Central Coast's Caitlin Murphy. Very unexpected. Yeah, I feel very grateful because I was up against such good players, like the girls that got third and and runners-up and, um, yeah, incredible players. And, yeah, I feel very um, lucky to receive it. Caitlin Murphy there. And let's now hear from our League Two Men's Player of the Season, who is Mitchell Cross from Bankstown United. Well, mate, we came ninth, so obviously this individual award, um, like it came unexpected, to be honest with you. Um, but now that I've, I've received it, extremely proud. Um, I'm thankful for the club for providing me the opportunity to play. Um, and, and hopefully next year we get promoted and it's not so much about me, but more about the team. Um, but yeah, just I'm really, really proud, to be honest, mate, because it's been a long season and the results haven't always gone our way. But, you know, to get something out of it, I guess... It's pretty exciting, pretty good. Yes, thanks to the Football New South Wales media team who were there to get that audio as well. Henley, that takes us to the end of kickoff. Even though it's our full stop on the season, we are not blowing full time on this podcast. Uh, Football New South Wales here, they want to keep the momentum going. To be fair, it's only a few months until we kick off 2024. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that, hey. <laughs> so we're probably going to have, be it uh, player movement, be it coach changes, be it uh, just talking about pre-season and off-season things, fixtures always around the corner as well. I mean, we've come in here to Football New South Wales today. Yeah. You wouldn't know it's the off-season. Everyone no. is still working. And from, from my own experience at Football Victoria, mm. that time of the year when the, the competitions team go into fixture mode, they they used to actually take themselves out of the office into a sort of a sub office. They used to have a, a ring of computers. Oh they would have the the Excel whiz, <laughs> um, and, and they Ripping would out these fixtures. <laughs> like the you could you could make a documentary about the amount of work that goes into arranging a fixture at this level. Mm. It's a heap of work, and the people here are going to be working overtime this off season to make sure that we have a very successful 2024. Maybe that's the next idea for Netflix we can give them. <laughs> and be on New South Wales. <laughs> Henley, thank you for joining me through the course of this season. It was a lot of fun, and mm. it's been great to celebrate and amplify some of the, the top players and top names, but also the role players and the contributors that make this competition what it is. Yeah, exactly. I think without this competition, you know, a lot of these young stars in particular you know, they they get a foot in the door here. This is where they are on their stage. The spotlight's on them. They get to prove themselves. I think MPL New South Wales has had a great season this year. All teams, all leagues. Very excited to see where we go next time. Certainly. And uh, make sure you hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts because kickoff will be continuing. On behalf of Henley Warner, my name is Teo Pelizzeri. Thanks for joining us on the official podcast of NPL New South Wales and Football New South Wales League competitions. We'll speak to you next time. And what a goal it was! Stewart makes it 1-1. And it is a gorgeous little chip. This could all be the moment. It is the moment.